everyone agrees, bacon makes everything better. Even marketing. This is the Bacon Podcast, where you'll learn to cure your marketing. And make your business. I can't believe I said that. Internet marketing. Online marketing. Social media tips and techniques. Now, to help you bring more bacon home, the master of marketing sizzle, Brian Basilico. This is the Bacon Podcast. Welcome, everybody. I'm your host, Brian Basilico, and this is the podcast where you learn to make your business sizzle online. So are you ready to fry up some new business? Hey, peeps. I am uber excited. I am so excited to have a a second-time guest, and you probably have heard of him. His name is Bob Berg. He is the co-author with John David Mann of the book called The Go-Giver, which is one of my all-time favorite books on sales and marketing and all kinds of great stuff. But he's also written three others, including Go-Giver Sell More, The Go-Giver Leader, and The Go-Giver Influencer. Now, Bob is one of my favorite people because he's so authentic and he delivers exactly what he promises, value, and that's what we're going to talk about today. So, Bob, how are you doing? I'm terrific, Brian. How are you? Great to be with you again. Oh, it's phenomenal having you back, man. It's been a while. It was episode 217 back in December of 2016, so it's been a few years. But it is such a pleasure, and I know we've crossed paths a few times, but So let's start off by defining what value is, because a lot of people think of value as, you know, it's the value brand, it's the generic, or, you know, some people look at it as price, some people look at it as time. I mean, how do we define value? What is it? Well, I I think that is a great question, and I love where where you began with that, because it's only when we, when we all have an agreement on the premise itself <laughs> that that the logic will help us come to a good conclusion because otherwise mm-hmm. we're all going in different directions right so right so let's look first at the difference between price and value price is a a dollar amount it's a dollar figure it's it's finite it simply is what it is it's the price of the thing uh, value on the other hand is the relative worth or desirability of a thing of something to the end user or beholder in other words what is it about this thing this product service concept idea what have you that brings so much worth to someone that they will willingly exchange their money or it could be time or energy or what have you for this thing and be glad they did, ecstatic that they they did. Uh, We need to understand that value is always in the eyes of the beholder. It's an individual thing. So uh, something I I often say to to those when when I'm speaking at a sales conference would be that it's not what we find to be of value about our product or service. It's not what we think they should think is a value about our product or service. It's what they think. It's what they believe is a value. Uh, That doesn't mean we lower our price. It means we, uh, and I suggest we don't do that. I don't want people doing that. But we do need to better communicate our value, which we do through uh, discovering what it is that they want, need, or desire, and then, of course, helping them to get it if our product or service is the right one, if it really does have sufficient value. But that's, you know, that's the difference between price and value. Yeah, that's huge. And, okay, so in, in the services arena, and I'm just going down that particular road because it's something I deal with a lot, 
I find there's people have two different mindsets. And the mindsets are they want it done for them. And those are the kind of people that value their time more than they do their money. In other words, I don't have time for this. I'm willing to pay for it. But I still want value. I want a return on investment. The other kind of people are the ones that say, I will invest the time to learn to do it for myself because my money is worth more than my time. And those people will invest in themselves to learn how to do it, but sometimes they're not seeing the return on investment as, as well as maybe somebody that's paying for it. So when we define this, when do you see people that are, are you know, look at their time differently than they do their money or vice versa? Sure. There are different types of buyers uh, who place a value, a relative worth or desirability on certain things. Okay. So uh, we think of first the price buyer, right? That's the person who says, no, I just care about the price. I want the lowest price. I don't care about anything else. It's just the price. And that's fine, though. I, I believe that if they were to um, have a brain surgeon about to operate on them, hmm. they probably wouldn't be looking for the cheapest brain surgeon. Right. Okay. But there are people who, yeah, indeed, by and large, they are just looking for the cheap buy. That, and by the way, that's what they value. That's what they value. Okay. Now, by the way, far less of these people than what we think and even far less than what they think. Because lots of times people will go into a store and they, you know, say to the salesperson, well, I just want the cheapest thing, right? The less expensive thing. And then they end up getting the thing they really want, which is a lot more money. It's all about price until you understand the value of something. Mm-hmm. Okay. Now that's not to say again, there aren't some people who are total price buyers. I'm just saying there's much less of those than what we think. Uh, okay. Then there are people who buy for other reasons. Uh, status. Look at the person who will gladly pay extra money. I mean, they'd probably rather not pay the extra money, but they will if it's going to give them status, if they look good to others. That's how, that's something they value. And by the way, I'm not judging. I'm just saying we all have our different, different, uh, uh, values, right? Right. Uh, one of my great mentors, Harry Brown, used to say there are three basic rules about human nature. One is everyone seeks happiness, okay? Happiness defined as the mental feeling of well-being. Ultimately, it all comes to that, okay? Uh, number two, happiness is relative, right? We all understand happiness differently. So, People place different values on different things. What, what might bring happiness to one person might make someone else totally miserable or have no meaning at all. Uh, and then three, resources are limited. Not to be confused with a lack type of thinking. We live in an abundant universe indeed, but we all have a limited amount of time, of money, of energy, of knowledge, of wisdom, of what have you. So we're constantly making choices. As human beings, we're constantly throughout the day usually on an unconscious level, sometimes consciously, but we're continually making choices. And these choices always come down to whether we believe it will bring us closer to happiness based on how we understand happiness and based on the limited options we believe we have. Okay, so with that in mind, you've got some people who are by and large price buyers, some people who are status buyers. You've got some people who are convenience buyers like me, mm -hmm. okay? Uh, you want to sell me, make it as easy as possible for me to do business with you and to use that product or service. 
um, uh, and I'll gladly pay more for it. Now, would I rather not pay more? Of course, you know, he's rather have it for, for uh, you know, as, as less as he can get it with, the, uh, as long as your values have been met, but that's not going to happen. And we know that. So, you know, someone like, someone like myself, I know that I'm going to pay more for the convenience and that's okay. In terms of my sense of happiness and peace of mind, that's worth it to me because I hold that as a higher value than I hold less money. You know, does that make sense? It totally makes sense. So I've got one point to make and then I've got a follow-up question to that. The point is you say that happiness is relative, but that does not necessarily mean you're going to have a happy relative, um, <laughs> like a brother or sister. That doesn't always work out, especially on today's internet uh, and the way people argue. But I think the thing that's important is you brought up something that really kind of gets to the core, and that is how can we figure out a way to determine what is the the resource that drives the person that you're talking to time or money because you said convenience you know we have limited resources you're willing to pay for the convenience because chances are you can afford to do it, whether people have limited money and they're willing to put more time into it how as as people number one can we determine that number two can we meet their needs mm -hmm. and it's also there's other i you know i suggest there's also aside from from um, time and money, there's also status, right? And there's uh, uh, there's others too. Some people, uh, you know, it's the, uh, the they they love the bells and whistles because it's fun for them. So, in other words, it's it's what this person uh, holds to be a value. So, how do we find out what they truly value? Well, we ask questions, but it goes deeper than that because if you just ask a, a person the straight, you know, the question. Uh, what do you, you know? Do you are what's more valuable to you, uh, money or or uh, time or community? A lot of people are going to say money, but that's because they know nothing else about it, so right. they're going to default to that. So just asking that question doesn't necessarily get you the correct answer. But asking questions is important because through a series of asking questions, and it de just depends upon what you do for a living, that are the type of questions you would you would ask. Uh, you need to be able to ask questions and then listen and listen in such a way that they basically tell you how to help them buy. And if you do that correctly, uh, they, they will. Uh, but it's so important to keep in mind that your job, I mean, you know, what, uh, again, we just go back to the definition of selling. What is selling? It's discovering what the other person wants, needs, or desires, and helping them to get it. Mm -hmm. And we can only mm -hmm. discover this by asking questions and then listening. So in defining value, you know, we figured out what they do value. Status is great, you know, because, yeah, everybody wants a BMW. Or I, I actually, I want an electric Jaguar. I love that commercial. It's so cool. Um, but if you were to, you know, say you figured that out, you're working with the person. Now, value is such a relative term. And I think the point of value at the very, very end of the process, you've sold them. How do you determine whether what you promised, what they conceived or perceived as value lived up to its expectations? Well, you constantly want to ask, you know, uh, about their experience. Mm -hmm. uh, that, that's so very important because if they don't um, feel as though the value was worth the price, uh, and when I say price, it's really 
cost because price, financial cost or price is just one form of cost. There's also cost in terms of aggravation. Mm-hmm. There's cost in terms of lost opportunity cost. Remember, if they bought your product or service, they probably didn't buy the other person's product or service, by and large, depending upon what you do. So there's all sorts of, so you, so you absolutely want to make sure that the value that you and your team provided was far, far greater than the cost or price they, they paid. Now, you know, by and large, technology is leveled off the playing field. So most products and services are indeed about the same. Uh, so the question is, how do I add that additional value, right? right. And the, the quick answer is you become that additional value. Uh, but then the next question is how? And that's a good question. And there are probably dozens, if not hundreds of ways um, to communicate that additional value, but they tend to come down to five, what we call elements of value. And those five are excellence, consistency, attention, empathy, and appreciation. And to the degree that you, and when I say you, I mean you and your entire team, from the very first phone call, whether it's a reach out, uh, an outbound or an inbound phone call or connection, through the relationship building process, through the sales process, the follow-up, the follow-through, the referrals, what have you, to the degree that you and your team can communicate one or more, hopefully all five of those elements of value at every single touch point, you know, when appropriate, that's the degree to which the value you provide will absolutely exceed the price. Mm-hmm. And I, I think the core of what you're saying is... You can't be transactional. Once a sale is done, that's just the beginning of the process, meaning that you have to continue to build the relationship. You have to continue to communicate. You have to be involved in the process. And you have to be willing to listen empathetically to what it is that they're saying along the way and make sure that you're doing everything that you can to help them become more successful at whatever they purchased from you. That's a great way to say it. Thank you. So in that measurement, what are you seeing based on the things that you've seen over the years? I mean, let's face it, I I talk to people all the time, just got off a phone call with some people, and I said, I've been doing content marketing since 1979, before the internet, before email, before all of those kind of things. The principles have never changed. The tools have changed. So what have you seen that has you know, people are missing from a principle standpoint when it comes to value, relationship, communication. What's getting in the way of all of that? Well, you know, technology sometimes gets in the way of it when not used correctly. Uh, I read a great book and, and spoke with the author, Mark Schaefer. Mm-hmm. Uh, his, his book came out about a, a month ago, and it's called Marketing Rebellion, Why the Most Human Companies Win. And it's a fantastic book. And one of the things he talked about is that sometimes marketers utilize or use technology and it's, it's more about helping them than it is making a connection with the customer or the prospect or the client. And he told a fantastic story uh, of having a, an appointment at his dealership, his car dealership, where he bought, you know, he, he was a repeat customer. And uh, he had had a, a, an appointment set up for a certain day. They sent him an automated email 
about, you know, to confirming the time and this and that. He goes in there that day. The salesperson wasn't there. Uh, the salesperson didn't even know he had an appointment. Uh, the, the mechanism didn't, didn't tell him. And, mm-hmm. and, you know, Mark said to the, uh, to the person he talked to, the, the uh, receptionist said, well, how many appointments does he have in a day? And she said about five. And Mark's thinking, really, he couldn't have taken time to, to make sure, you know, to make sure his appointments were lined up uh, as opposed to depending on the, the, uh, the automation. And again, so that's where, that's a big mistake, you know, that's where, and I see this all the time. I see this, not all the time, but I see it constantly where the technology is used and it's, you know, kind of, it's one of those things, you know, good thought, but it didn't quite work out. Yeah. And uh, it's more for the convenience of the company or the marketer, as opposed to making a human to human connection. Don't get me wrong. Technology can help. It can deepen. It can further the human connection. But it's it's never about the technology. It's about the people. Right. In other words, what you're saying is the technology should augment the relationship part and not replace the relationship part. And one of the places, and this is a pet peeve, is chatbots. You know, it's like, put in, you know, what is your question? You put it in, and then it goes and searches artificial intelligence and tries to imagine what your problem is. And, you know, it, it's like phone, press one, press two, press three, rather than talking to a human being. And, and a lot of that human touch tends to, you know, facilitate anger than satisfaction. Oh, sure. How often have you gotten, you know, lost in that, the automation loop when you're calling a company and you just want to scream? Right. All right. That's not, that, that's not helping. <laughs> right. So, so really what it boils down to is getting back to the basics is everything you should be doing as far as value goes really boils down to the relationship is how does that person perceive? Can you feel how they perceive? Are you communicating with them? So really the true value comes from human to human contact in the long run. Would you agree? Oh, it, it, it sure does. Absolutely. So, so our jobs as marketers, as salespeople, as, as people that are trying to stand out, it, it's not the technology. It's our ability to, to be the person that really understands the, the, the person that's purchasing at a core value, getting to learn what they value, giving them you know, what it is that they value, but more importantly, is making sure when it's all said and done that they understand the value. Is that correct? Yeah, exactly. And, you know, they need, they need to know that you care. Mm-hmm. And, and, you know, and it comes down to that. I, I've always said, and I've said it for years, it's always been my mantra that all things being equal, people will do business with and refer business to those people they know, like, and trust. They don't do business with and refer business to those social media platforms they know, like, and trust, or those computers they know, like, and trust. Um, now again, the technology, as you uh, so aptly said, uh, can facilitate it, but we need to, you know, wisdom is knowing the difference between when it does and when it has the opposite effect. Gotcha. So my final question to you, 
because I'm curious, is what is the difference between the four books? What If you could give just a quick summary, because The Go-Giver is such a great foundational book, what do the other ones add on that somebody needs to know about? I think they, they go deeper into uh, the, the specific area. So, for instance, with, with the, the original one, The Go-Giver, which was written you know, basically for the entrepreneur and salesperson, mm-hmm. and people said, and even though leaders used it and it was known, used as a leadership book, it was really about entrepreneurship and sales. Uh, and people said, well, so how would Pindar, you know, the main mentor, how would he and his, his uh, uh, protégés, how would they take leadership? So we wrote The Go-Giver Leader, you know, and, and how would Pindar and his, his protégés look at influence? Because John and I really wanted to go deep into influence. So we have The Go-Giver Influencer. So it really, we just took, but it's the same five principles. You know, I mean, it always comes down to it. Mm-hmm. Uh, it comes down to shifting your focus to it, 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 to moving from what we call an I focus or me focus to what we call an other focus. When right. you can focus on bringing value to others, whether that's as a salesperson, leader, influencer, friend, family member, human being, what have you. That's really, you know, what it's all about. Nothing, not in a self-sacrificial way or a martyrish way. No, just in a way that that builds everyone in the process. Yeah, I, I often talk about that when I talk about creating content. And it could be on a website, it could be a blog, it could be something along those lines. And there's a huge difference between I, I, we, weing all over yourself or actually focusing on what the end user wants. Um, yeah, so um, that was my bad joke. But anyways, I digress. Um, the point being is that I love it. It's it's a great concept, and I think that I got a lot of value out of this. Um, I think that a lot of other people will get value out of it, too. So if they want to learn more about you, from you, what's the best way for them to do that? Probably just go to The Go-Giver without the hyphen, thegogiver.com, and if they scroll down, they can... Um uh, get a chapter or two of any of the books to, uh, see how it, how it reads to them. And if they like, they can always click through to order. There's other goodies and articles and so forth on the, uh, the site as well. So thegogiver.com. Awesome. And, uh, if they wanted to follow you, what are the best places to do that? LinkedIn, Twitter, Facebook? What? Yeah. You know, I'm kind of everywhere. <laughs> not, not, not everywhere. Those are really my third. There's the, you know, there's, uh, and I'm now starting to post videos several times a week on Instagram. So, uh, I guess the usual suspects, right? Instagram, Facebook, LinkedIn, and Twitter, and, uh, they should be right on the website where you can connect with me there. Awesome. Well, Bob, again, you know, I appreciate you. I appreciate your time. You usually deliver and over deliver. And that's one of the things I like about you the most. You drop some incredible sizzling hot bacon knowledge bombs on my peeps. It was a pleasure. And I look forward to doing this again sometime. Ryan, always a pleasure to speak with you. Thanks for all you do. Well, that's it for today's bacon podcast. We hope you enjoyed it and learned something today. If you did, please go to iTunes and give us a review. We appreciate all your feedback and comments. If you have any questions, go to www.baconpodcast.com forward slash questions, and we'll make sure we get those answered for you. Till next time, keep sizzling.